to Book Talk. I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. At Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about his book or her book. And today we have a great guest with us. We're going to be talking about theater and much more about that. But uh, I'm not the right person to tell you about the book because we have the author with us. And we are welcoming to the studio Chip Rome. Welcome. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I'm well. How about you? Things are great here in the Washington, D.C. area. Oh, great. Washington, D.C. area. I'm all the way in Athens, Greece. If you've been here? I have been. I had a wonderful trip a number of years ago around Athens and around Crete. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. But yeah. uh, I haven't been to Washington. I wish to be uh, to come there someday. Well, it is very strange to have all the news happening right down the street. Uh huh. But I'm in the northern Virginia suburbs at the moment. Oh, beautiful. So yeah. what had brought you to Greece? What brought me to Greece? Um, I had <laughs> heard it, a couple of things. I, you know, I'd always heard it was a wonderful place and I loved the food. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I left. we left Athens a day later than we planned because I found out that the Greek National Theater was doing a performance of Antigone in mm -hmm. Epidavros. Yeah. And that was the one play that I had taught in my theater classes every year or every other year. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, even if it's in Greek, perhaps I'll be able to follow it. And so we changed our plans and we went to the play and it was amazing. Um, and that space, ugh. So we had a marvelous time. The other thing that stands out from the trip is that my Greek travel agent had said, uh, don't go to, oh, now I'm going to block on it, the, the little island with the white houses with the blue roofs. Um, San, Santorini. Said, don't go to Santorini. All the tourists go there. So we okay. did. But when we were in Crete, there was a one-day um, boat voyage to Santorini, and we thought, we'll try it. Well, all the tourists go there because it's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. We took the cable car up and we took uh, donkeys down. Mine wanted to keep parallel parking near his friends instead of continuing down the, the route and the beach with the black pebbles. It's a very memorable trip all in all. Uh, Greece was wonderful. I hope to be able to go back there at some point. Oh, yeah, it was a beautiful, it is a beautiful place. I was there last uh, year with my wife and we really enjoyed because mm. uh, I mean, we didn't get into the cable car, but definitely we climbed on the donkeys, and it's a great experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I was curious that your coming to Greece had something to do with theater, and that is why I asked you the question. But I hear uh, it was not the, in, the, the thing, but a theater changed your plans once you arrived here. Indeed, it did. Yeah, because uh, Greece is known. Um, I mean, has a history of theater and uh, plays oh, yeah. and things like that. So uh, it, it, it goes together with you. Sort of the, the origin of Western theater is, is Greece. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that uh, we are covering theater and you've written uh, uh, about theater. So it's uh, your book is Real World Theater Education. Now, at this point, I've got a, I'm going to act. I'm going to of that song no it's gone <laughs> but uh, okay please tell us um, real world theater education and uh, I'm, I'm curious why you chose the, the the word real world 
Well, the importance is the hyphen because there was some confusion that it might come across as being about world theater and since we just spoke about greece but in fact real world is what really happens when you start to teach theater mm -hmm. so the book is about all those things that a new theater teacher will discover are stealing his time and energy um, that aren't, don't get covered in the theater education classes so it's not about writing lesson plans or even all that much about classroom management. It's about dealing with <clears throat> the parents who are upset that their talented babies didn't get cast in the role that they wanted in the school play mm -hmm. or <clears throat> planning a field trip or coordinating um, or dealing with fundraising or publishers. There's sort of an endless series of realities that um, one can be blindsided by. Mm -hmm. And having gone through that myself many years ago, um, my co-author and I wanted to uh, provide as much preparation for theater teachers as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. that, that's beautiful. So that was your inspiration to pass down some experiences and lessons. There's a little more specific than that. Mm -hmm. um, Zoe Dillard was my is my co-author, and we had all often interacted at various theater festivals. And at one point, uh, about eight years ago, we were talking about the fact that her daughter was currently a theater education major. And I said, well, what is she using for a theater methods book? Um, and so we said, well, I know there's there are books about theater and there are books about education, but I don't know if anybody's actually put them together. And the light bulb went off and we said, we should write such a book. We've got like 60 years of experience between us. And so we started meeting uh, and making a list of all the things that we learned the hard way. And um, that turned into the book. Mm -hmm. So... Uh what have you been uh, very actively involved in, uh, I mean, apart from now, this book that we are hearing about? Um, well, I am retired from my regular theater teaching job. Okay. I did two years at an American prep school just outside London. That was my start at Tassus, England. And then I went, <clears throat> and when I first got there, they said this was the chapel, because a brand new uh, school year. Uh, and this is the chapel and now it's your theater so go buy some stage lights and i said uh my training is in acting and directing okay so when i after a couple of years of that adventure i went to graduate school and took every technical theater class that they offered and eventually got a, a job at a very large um public high school uh, in Northern Virginia, and I stayed there for 33 years. Mm. Um, retired in 2014, spent a year figuring out what to do with my life, I came back half time to fix another program. Um, and I'm still involved with a program called the CAPIs, which is like the Academy Awards for high school theater. Uh, oh. It's a slightly international program, uh, United States and also a few chapters in Canada, 
where high school kids are trained to be theater critics. They see each other's shows, write reviews that are published locally, and then uh, if they write enough reviews, they can vote on all the same kind of awards as the uh, the Oscars or the, the Tony Awards. Mm. And uh, in the Washington, in the capital, uh, in the national capital area, sort of DC, Virginia, Maryland, um, the award ceremony is held at the John F. Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., and I direct that. So Ooh. things are very busy at the moment getting all those pieces in the puzzle because the six nominees for Best Play or Best Musical get to perform a little cutting of their show on stage. And so it's very exciting for them. So I'm mm. still active with that. And I also observe theater student teachers for George Mason University. Mm. Uh, which is a lot of fun for me. So pretty busy. Um, you're, you're a perfect example of uh, get retired, but don't, don't expire. <laughs> I, the way I heard it that I like is you don't retire, you retire. You put new tires on the car so you can oh, go somewhere else. That's a right? good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you put new tires so that you, oh. That's beautiful. Yep. And you go, uh, you, you go to new places, experience great new things. And um, yes. it's, it's a good way of looking at it when you retire. <laughs> so at what point did you, I mean, or when did you write the, this book? Um, the book has been out since 2015. And um, so I probably, we probably started about three years earlier than that. 2012 and I said we would meet on Sundays and start putting it together and it turns out that the theater education professor at nearby George Mason University was a former student of mine from many years earlier so we got together and said here's what we're planning do you think it would be of use to you and she said absolutely absolutely and so we got to do our first draft copy as a sort of pilot program at George Mason University and it's now part of their required curriculum, as it is at Catholic University and University of North Carolina um, and several other places. Um, so we'd love to spread the word because mm -hmm. I think this really um, talks about different things. And we've set, structured it a season at a time because overload is one of the biggest problems for theater teachers. Mm -hmm. So what do, you, what do you have to prepare for in the fall? What about the winter? What are you dealing with in the spring? And how will you spend your summer uh, to make it a little more manageable? Mm, yeah, and I'll be curious to know some of the things that we should do. I, I'm not a teacher, I'm a theater teacher myself, but uh, definitely we've got to hear, <laughs> get into some of the theater teachers and they are going to benefit from your book. So dri dive us into it a bit, at, um, I mean, at whatever depth you're willing to. <coughs> Well, as I said, the, the book is organized season by season, mm -hmm. um, but at the end of each chapter, there are also um, what if scenarios to consider. What if on your field trip, you get on the bus and discover that your full bus is a little too full because the driver didn't tell you that he reserves one seat for himself and you cannot put a kid there and you're not allowed to let them sit on their laps or squeeze in. What do you do with that extra kid? And of course, these we call these real world moments. 
-hmm. and they're all true. That one happened to me. And um, the answer in that case was there was a still a parent who had, was dropping off their kid who agreed to drive behind the bus and deliver their child, I think, and a friend um, privately rather than going on the school bus. But in, like, in, interesting. that. Interesting. Um, what happens if you don't ask for permission to perform a play before you announce it and they turn you down? Because that happens from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. if, a, if a professional production is going to be in the area, the amateur production rights are withheld for a certain amount of time. And you announce a show and the kids get all excited and then you have to backtrack. It's ugly. So things, those certain uh, situations. Mm. Um, so we have real world moments scattered, peppered throughout the chapters. And we have um, ideas, uh, what if scenarios at the end of each. Um, <clears throat> and then it sort of traces from if you're looking for a theater job, what do you look for? You know, do you look for geography? Do you look for uh, an active theater community nearby? Do you look for a school that has a, uh, a rich history of a program or is just building? Do you want to be rural or suburban or urban or international? There are a lot of choices. And when you get to the school, what kinds of questions should you be asking? Like, is there a budget? I mean, the school I was at most recently, they said, um, welcome. We're so glad you're going to hear and be here and help us. You have $15 in your drama budget. <laughs> now, by the end of the year, it was 15000 oh. um, I majored in economics and theater arts, and I've never lost money on a show. But that was that was tricky. Um, we also discovered that a lot of the costumes and props were stored off-site, two miles away from the school. Who was going to even mention that? Mm -hmm. So the inquiry that you make to find out what your resources will be and what the attitude is. I've heard of people being told by the principal, well, it's not like you're teaching something important like football. Um, <laughs> you don't want to take that job. Mm. Um, yeah. so, mm -hmm. you know, and then if you get a school, how do you investigate the school? And then you get your, your class or your theater department. How do you want to organize your theater department? What's your philosophy of casting? Do you want to spread the wealth and give everybody opportunities? Or do you want to feature the really talented kids who might in fact go on to college and professional theater? Do you nurture that talent at the expense of the kids who just want to try real hard? Um, do the seniors who often feel entitled to get a bigger role every year, which may not have any kind of fit with the play that you've chosen, Mm -hmm. Do they get special privileges or does it just not work that way? Um, so issues like that have to be decided, um, mm. let alone choosing a play and what are your technical, the technical challenges and what resources do you have? You know, are, are, is it going to be a student centered program? Are you going to invite parents in to take the weight off as much as possible? Um, issues like that need to be decided because they will 
be decided one way or another. Yeah, there's got to be a decision at some point or the other. And to go with the seasons that you mentioned, I know schools in the US, in Canada and everywhere uh, grouped into sessions like uh, we have summer and winter. Could be, it's, it could be totally different because it's different from where I am and where I come from. But um, which is the busiest season or the busiest semester of the school year? It does vary from school to school. Um, I would say more often than not, the fall is when a, a straight play as opposed to a musical is performed. Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, if kids are playing football also, and there's often a, the actors versus the athletes, and they don't mix all that much, but if they can mix, that's great. Uh, or if you wanted to do a musical in the fall, the marching band may be busy with, on the football field, and so the musicians are not available. So that's a good time for a straight play. Also, it's less complicated than a musical, and your kids are still learning. The, the winter is a good time for a collection of short plays, perhaps student-directed short plays, especially since if you're in the north where it might snow, you don't want to invest thousands of dollars in a show that gets snowed out, but the short plays are much simpler and less expensive. And then the spring, the spring musical is very often the big culminating production with mm. the largest cast and the biggest investment and the, hopefully the biggest audience. Um, and then something to tie up the year, like a, an awards banquet where you recognize the seniors at last um, mm. and, and other people who have made strong contributions. And our mm. Cappies um, gala will be coming up at the beginning of June. So that also sort of caps the year. Ooh, okay. And uh, apart from uh, waking up a child from the driver's seat, what, what has been your worst scenario in the experiences that you've gone through? The worst experience was a production, which was the best experience, a production of a musical called Crazy For You. Mm. And I, it was going very well. And I was in the audience next to my uh, student director who was best friends with the lead named John playing a character, Bobby. And she leans in and says, Mr. Rome, John's in trouble. And I said, what? And she said, well, John was diabetic and she could set, see he was starting to go into a diabetic seizure. So I never go backstage for a show. The kids take care of everything, but this time I did because uh, they were not prepared for this. And the Polly, the character who is the female lead, goes in and out a lot during the scene. And she came back to where we were and said, John's in trouble, what do I do? And at that point, John was being held up by the two other guys on stage that time. And all the lines are still coming out of his mouth on cue. I said, just take him through the break in the curtain right behind you. Don't even exit the stage. And I told the stage manager, call an early intermission. Do that now. So they got through the scene. He went backstage. She called intermission. Boom. He collapsed on the floor. All hell broke loose. The kids are all gathering around to see what's going on. Someone ran to get his parents they had heard were in the audience. Somebody else tried to find some sugar to revive him. Somebody else went for that, that huge needle that you might have to stick into his chest. Um, parents got there. I moved all the kids to the classroom. 
and said, you know, Ken, what can we do? We had an understudy and we sprayed his hair black and got him in the costume, um, <coughs> cut one of the musical numbers, figured out a scene change. And then there's one girl who, excuse me, who was freaking out. So I leaned on my, <coughs> the best class I ever took, Lamaze. Mm. And we matched eyes and I had her breathing with me. Like my wife when she was in labor, to calm down. Mm -hmm. um, the show went on with the understudy. And by the time the original um, actor, um, at the, the original intermission would have come, the actor was feeling much better and swapped back in. So Polly took her curtain call with both Bobbies. And people who didn't know the actors didn't know what was going on because they didn't realize we had two people playing the role. Mm. Um, at the same show. So I was very, very proud of my cast and crew for managing the totally unexpected. Mm, that's um, what, that's what, and what if uh, other moment, <laughs> I mean, and do you always, like, uh, you found that replacement, which was kind of automatic. You always have a second part, I mean, second person, second actor who is playing the same role always, or was that just a, um, well, they often try to, and the understudy is sometimes considered a secondary role, and so getting someone dedicated enough to manage it varies. But after that incident, oh, I had great understudies for a number of years, because mm -hmm. that kid really saved the day, being able to step in. <coughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, especially in the era of COVID, you don't know when a, somebody may drop out or be unavailable to keep going. So being able to have someone step in can be very, very helpful. I'm not a fan of double casting, which some theater teachers do, uh, which gives you a natural, you know, uh, coverage to swap out if you have to. But I think it really requires double rehearsal. And we put in probably an hour of rehearsal for every minute of performance, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, okay, that was beautiful. And uh, the, the what if moments, uh, like you've told uh, someone uh, gets into uh, Caesar, someone suddenly falls sick from an unexpected uh, occurrence or something like that, and then because all these things are in schools, you you got to deal with the different characters, with the different, uh, I mean, uh, setting from different homes, and some are even um, indulging in different in bad behaviors, or some are influenced by drugs. What are those experiences that you've had? Well, <clears throat> certainly, I mean, I stayed so many years at a school which was really. Um, well-behaved compared to some schools that are out there. Um, we had a, a great principal for a, a decade who said, if two kids are getting in a fight in my school, I know that one of them has just arrived to the school. He's new to this school. Because mm -hmm. um, that happened very rarely. I was very supportive. Mm -hmm. But families have, you know, deal with all sorts of things. Um, the What came to mind when you asked was a girl who was going through uh, mental health issues and was um, 
possibly suicidal. And there was a rehearsal where at the end of the show, when we called everybody forward for notes, she was missing. And she had been very isolated and talking with some of her close friends and they became panicky that perhaps she had gone off and done something horrible to herself. And they wanted to run out and find her, but it's nighttime, it's like 10 o'clock at that point. We didn't, we do a once a week night rehearsal and, <laughs> and they're still in costume and the custodians are ready to like shut down the building. Um, <clears throat> so we called her parents certainly and some and other parents who had arrived to pick up their kids made the children go back and get out of costume and then team up with a parent and let them go out um, to find this girl and they did and she was okay but it was very 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 anxious making for everyone um, <clears throat> so she got the the help that she needed and no disaster befell us. Although the book talks of, has a chapter called When the World is Bigger Than Theater. And this is one of the stories that we tell um, because that no matter what we were doing with the play, her health and safety was absolutely the most important. Mm -hmm. And it also talks about the school shooting at Virginia Tech University um, where my co-author had um, one of her best drama students uh, killed. And so she talks about the reaction within the department. Theater departments become very quickly families. And the kids not only stick together and support each other and a huge range of personalities find their home there. Um, but they stay friends for life. They really do. Um, uh, Facebook helps with this, I suppose, but I have been to 20-year reunions, drama kid reunions that are just delightful. Um, and so weird to see kids who are really flaky turn into really good parents. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I've forgotten your question. Uh, <laughs> never mind. I, I tend to believe that um, drama prepares uh, an individual for to face life. And I am happy that you have used the word real, real world theater education. It's not only aimed at the teachers. I believe at the theater teachers, I believe many other people are going to read it and get some ideas on how to do, to deal with the real world out there. Um, because I've seen, it's, it's somehow interesting that I have seen great leaders and especially where I come from, from a country that I come from, uh, when you go back into their past and their high school life, they were students of, they were in theater, they were in uh, music, they were in something that was uh, extra out of their ordinary, I mean, schooling system. Well, as much as STEM education um, is being touted, it really should be STEAM to include the arts. Mm -hmm. Because the arts, free and speak to the soul. They create empathy with other people. <clears throat> Theater is all about putting yourself in the shoes of someone else and understanding what motivates them. The arts <clears throat> work towards excellence. The arts deal with incomplete information that you develop 
to become clear. Um, there's so many skills and so many of the uh, creative, collaborative, critical thinking skills that are valuable no matter what you do um, that I think the arts are, are critical to fully developing people who can be happy citizens of mm -hmm. wherever they are and productive. Mm. And uh, now, what would you, because we are almost there where we are just about to end our episode, uh, what would you not want us to miss uh, on looking at this book of yours? I mentioned at the beginning that the biggest problem that new theater teachers have is feeling overloaded. Mm. You want to prove yourself. You want to be in control of everything so that you can accept the responsibility. But the more you give up control to the students, the more you empower them. And that's what education is for, is to help other people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more capable. And it takes less time and energy to supervise than it does to do. So mm -hmm. I would encourage people to, um, to delegate authority. Uh, you know, the, the difficult kids, give them a title. They love that. Give them a job. Um, kids will rise to the, where the bar is set. They will rise to challenges. Mm -hmm. And having enough faith to take care of yourself, you know, put your, oxy your oxygen mask on first, mm -hmm. uh, to, to take care of yourself so that you can let others um, shine is, um, is a risk worth taking. Mm. Beautiful. Now that's uh, got to be uh, a great uh, insight to the teachers. We are going to hear a general comment or a, at, at the end of the event or at the end of the show where you leave us with some words as usually happens uh, on our book talk show. And uh, at this point, I want to thank each and every person who's been here. And uh, I have one uh, viewer who is uh, John, and uh, he says, he's, he has got a comment for us, and he says, I'm sure that the other keeps you more active, which is very healthy, and others enjoying your great experience. Oh, theater certainly does keep a person active. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I raised two children who were both in my theater program at one point, um, and when I retired, my firstborn gave me a t-shirt that said, I can't, I have rehearsal. And it had can't crossed out. I can, I don't have rehearsal. Mm. Very aware <laughs> of how much time it took. Um, mm. So educationalstages.com became the, um, the on-site, you know, my, my website for the book and other books like Teaching Tech You Never Learned, um, which is a uh, on the process of getting to hard copy and, and available in uh, cyber form at the moment. Uh, so if those help anybody, I, that's to the good. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's good that you mentioned uh, educational stages uh, because I was going to ask you, where shall we find the book? Well, the book is on amazon.com and yeah. in Kindle form also. 
but at educationalstages.com or realworldtheatereducation.com. It's available um, not only in um, hard copy or cyber or PDF, but also all of the 26 customizable templates to save people time and energy that are the appendix of the book can be purchased separately. Mm. Um, and there are links to the other theater books, like a theater safety guide um, and this uh, teaching tech you never learned. So I hope people will um, check it out there. Mm. And that's interesting. It's the first time that I'm hearing that I can buy a book in parts. <laughs> One book. <laughs> yeah. That's great, great. So to those who are listening, go to educationalstages.com. And especially if you're into teaching theater, this is going to be a good resource for you. Uh, by uh, Chip Rome. We thank you very much for taking your time and writing this book. And I wish you great success in everything. Thank you, Anthony, for the chance to come on to your Book Talk podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, but before you go, we'd like you to leave us with some words we will always remember. Now the general listener wants to hear something that he will always remember or she will remember. Well, the thing that my students always remember most because it's drilled into them is if it's not yours, don't touch it. In other words, let's respect each other, our things, our ideas, um, and the props on the prop table. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So if it's not yours, don't touch it. Let respect <laughs> reign. <laughs> so once again, thank you very much. Thank you to our viewers and listeners, who even those who get to listen to the recorded version. And thank you very much, Chip, for taking your time and being with us here. Thank you. You're very welcome, Anthony. Thank you. Yeah, and bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.